Luke chapter number 10. Heavenly Father, we do pray for for Molly. She'd help her, Lord. Look forward to the day when we leave these old vile bodies behind. In the meantime, we thank you for your comfort and your grace. We ask now, Lord, you'd help us turn our attention upon the truths written in your word and learn from them, benefit from them today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read a lengthy passage. It's one that even people who don't know anything about the Bible know something about this. Somebody stops to help someone along the side of the road and the, the news media that, that hadn't looked at a Bible in who knows when, they say he was a good Samaritan. There's uh, some people travel around the country in, in motorhomes and RVs and, and they, they, if they get in trouble, they call the Good Sam Club. And so the world, the world knows something about this story from the Bible, but what we like to do is, is we like to see what the Bible says and why it says it. And we're going to read this, this account this morning, perfect Mother's Day message, how often she came to where you were, <laughs> bound up your wounds, poured in oil and wine, and... Verse 25, Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Got a footnote here, says his name might have been Jake. But, but no, not that kind of lawyer. Certain lawyer stood up, a man who studied the Jewish-Hebrew law. He, he thought he knew the Old Testament scriptures inside and out. He stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, oh, I hope our prayers aren't like that. But what if every time we said Lord, Jesus took that as a challenge? Oh, really? You want me to be Lord? I can be Lord if you want me to be Lord. Master? You want, oh, I'm your master? Okay, well, I get to call the shots, right? He, he, he's not interested in truth here. He's interested in, from his perspective, putting Jesus in his place. The entire conversation is the man tempting the Lord. Now, temptation, Brother Charlie brought a great lesson in Sunday School Hour on temptation. Temptation is not always trying to get someone to sin. If you recall from our studies this spring in 1 Corinthians 10, when they tempted God, they were daring Him. Daring, provoking the Lord. This, this man is daring Jesus. He's provoking Jesus to, to be right or to take action. All right, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? You are a lawyer. You are a student of the law. What does the law say? And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Which, that is what it says. In fact, this guy, he has it more accurately stated than the other people who approached Jesus in a similar circumstance. They named all these, these different commandments. And Jesus told them that all the law is summed up in these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. So this man, he's got it right. And he, he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do... And thou shalt live. <laughs> but he, see, but he. In other words, 
He knew what he had to do to earn eternal life by the law, but he had no intention of doing it. In fact, he had no intention of even trying to do it. The Bible doesn't say, well, and he thought it over for a while and came back and said. And he went out and gave it a shot and then came to Jesus the second time. It says, immediately, immediately, Jesus said, all right, then go do it, but... He's not even going to try. He knows, he knows it lies beyond the reach of man to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbors yourself. But anyway, the Bible says, but he willing to justify himself. Now the entire story of the Good Samaritan does not grow out of Jesus teaching us how to be nice to our neighbors, though it does teach that. The story of the Good Samaritan grows out of a man saying to Jesus, I think I'm righteous. And attempting to prove to the Lord that he was good enough to have eternal life without repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's the, the foundation of the, of the story. Now, if you're here this morning and you want to go to heaven and you're trying to get to heaven, and you're seeking to be the best person you can be so you can get to heaven, that biblically is, is defined as seeking to justify yourself. Now, listen, trying to do right so you can get to heaven is better than trying to do wrong so you can get to hell. But doing right is not going to get you to heaven. Not according to the Bible. So, so let's, let's keep reading here. But he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay, the law says, I've got to love my neighbor as myself. But before I set out to do that, I need some qualifiers here. Surely it can't mean all my neighbors. Surely it can't mean the neighbors I find disagreeable. Surely it can't mean the neighbors who don't look like me. Surely it can't be the neighbors with a different accent than I have. Surely it can't be the neighbors that, that have a different diet and, and the, I mean, come on, Lord, you gotta, you gotta give me a break here. There's eight billion people on the earth and the number's increasing daily and a lot of them aren't my kind of people. You can't mean love everybody as much as I love myself. And so the Lord's going to narrow it down to a complete and total stranger who you never met before. <laughs> he, he didn't say, okay, well, just pick, pick your three favorite cousins and try that. that, that you might have had a fighting chance there, but he said, all right, here's this guy. He's just laying in a ditch by the side of the road. And Jesus answering said, now see, this is, this is, this is really great. The Bible says, in verse number 29, and he, verse, or, or, I'm sorry, but he, verse 30, and Jesus. See, this is what Jesus does. He just, with his words, meets your every objection. You don't like what he says? He's got something else to say. You don't like his requirements? He's got another requirement. You, you have one hope of eternal life. And that's abandoning all self-confidence and trusting Jesus. He's, he's going to try to convince this fellow this before the, the, uh, the passage ends. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, 
which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, it wasn't foreordained from the foundation of the world, by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He didn't stop because the man had already been robbed. There wasn't any profit in it. And ask a Levite, when he was at the place, uh, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now listen, both these men saw their neighbor. Both these men saw the condition in which their neighbor was lying there upon the ground. Both these men were religious people. A priest, a Levite, both of them served at the temple, served at the altar, participated in the worship of God. Jesus says to a lawyer, they taught and studied the law... But they didn't care about this man. Both of them could have offered a sacrifice for him, no doubt, at some time in his life, they, 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 living in the area. Uh, both of them, sometime or another, had po- possibly taught him in the synagogue or instructed him in the things of religion, but they didn't have the time to help. They didn't have the interest or the inclination to help. And they saw him, but they just kept moving. But a certain Samaritan, who hiss, boo. I hate to bring this up, but we must. In John 4, the Bible says the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Wouldn't speak to them, wouldn't talk to them. There's a woman at the well one day, and, and the disciples had gone away. Jesus' disciples had gone away in the city to buy groceries. And while they were gone, Jesus sat down by the well and talked to this woman about her soul. And when the disciples came back, it says they marveled that he talked with her because she was a Samaritan. Now, you're probably wondering if, what kind of disease that is. Is it like leprosy or Ebola or something? I mean, that, why wouldn't you talk to a Samaritan? Well, let's... You gotta be so careful nowadays. People are so, they're so sensitive. They're so touchy. And I don't care. <laughs> Just gonna have to deal with it. When the Jews were carried into captivity in Babylon, hundreds of years before Christ, a few poor, uneducated, unqualified Jews were left in the land to be slave laborers for the Babylonians who had conquered the land. While they were there, they married women who weren't Jews. And they had children. Those children would have been half Jew and half something else. When the Jews came back, they ostracized and isolated the half-breeds, the mixed-race children, because they weren't Jews like we are. You know, idol-worshiping, God-denying, sinning so bad the Lord has to take them into captivity, but we're Jews. See, that's how people are. (laughs) 
I don't work for a living. I live off the government. I got a criminal record this long, but I'm white. (laughs) You know what I mean. I spent my family's fortune to cross deserts and swim rivers and sneak across borders so I could come live here and fly the flag of the place I came from. It's, 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 relax. It's, it's a, I can say these things. Are you allowed to say that? I am. I have a special dispensation from God and man to say these things. Okay, so the Samaritans were a mixed-race people who were despised by a people who thought they were of pure blood, had nothing to do with anybody's relationship to God, it just had to do with who their mom and dad was. And as this thing progressed, the Jews would crucify their Messiah, but they wouldn't go in a Gentile building to get it done. I mean, that's, that's how these things go. So when Jesus is talking to this lawyer about his neighbor, he chooses as the example of the good guy, somebody this lawyer wouldn't speak to on the street. So I'll tell you what, that priest, he don't have it. That Levi, he's good for nothing. But then there came this Samaritan. You know what that is? That's Jesus just putting the knife in and twisting it. Are you a good neighbor? Oh, yeah. Well, well are you as good as a Samaritan? <laughs> I'm as good as a priest. Yeah, he's no good. I'm as good as a Levite. Yeah, forget about him. Now, this Samaritan, and he just, he just turns it. See, because when we say, I'm a pretty good person, that's based on a definition we invented. When we say, I'm a really good guy, I'm a, I'm a really good lady, well, says who? Well, me. <laughs> I made out this list of do's and this list of don'ts, and I keep my own list. And so I'm a good person because I asked me, and me said that me was good. <laughs> and so the Lord says, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, that's the man lying in the ditch, Came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Okay, now now look. The first man, the Bible says, saw him. Visual, no heart. The second man saw him. Visual, no heart. The third man saw him and was moved. Something inside the man went out. Toward the fallen individual in the ditch, I've got to help him. I've got to do something for him. You know something, that priest was on his way to go somewhere. He had something to do. The Levite was on his way somewhere. He had something to do. Guess what? So did the Samaritan. He was on his way somewhere. He had something to do. But he put his plans on hold to help this other man. He stopped whatever it was he had set out to do for himself to do something for this other man. Now, my intention this morning was not to preach a gospel salvation message. It was to minister to save people. So I've got to try and do that. 
Serving God doesn't mean you fit Him into what you want to do. Serving others doesn't mean you get around to it when you've done everything you want to do for yourself. All three of these people had something to do, as do all of us. All three of these people had somewhere to be, as do each one of us. All three of us have something, all of us could have, we have something we could do with our lives. So did these three. But one of them put all of their designs on hold to deal with somebody who had a need. And maybe it's going to be a lifetime in the ministry or maybe it's going to be an hour a week that you just cut out some hobby or some activity and devote yourself to others. But somewhere along this road, Jesus Christ wants us not to just see people messed up with drugs and messed up with drink and families messed up and lives messed up and and societies messed up and cities burning. Somehow... He wants us to have some compassion in our heart so we don't just walk by and look at it, but we stop to involve ourselves and try to help. That's the lesson. The lawyer walked on by and justified himself. The priest and the Levite walked on by and justified themselves. The Samaritan came by and there was something in his heart. It was called compassion. And it moved him to do something for the man who had the need. Now, the Bible says in verse number 34, And went to him. And went to him. We're saved because Jesus left the glories of heaven and came down here to this earth. Came where we are. Compassionately met our needs. This is the example he set for us. We're not to wait for the needy to find their way to our church. We're not to wait for the lost to walk up and ask us, what must I do to be saved? We're not to wait for those bound for hell to come and knock on our door. We're to go where they are. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. That sounds to me like excess. He didn't dab a little on the wounds. He didn't put a drop or two on there realizing how precious and valuable those materials were. The Bible says he poured it in. Pouring in oil and wine. And set him on his own beast. And brought him to an inn. And took care of him. When properly considered, you realize that sacrifice is not investment. That giving is is not with any view to return. I've heard it all my Christian life. You've probably heard it all your Christian life. You ought to give to God because you cannot give the Lord. And you ought to put some money in the offering plate. I'm telling you, you'll reap a tenfold blessing. And and all these sorts of things. You know, when when a man brought an ox or a sheep or a turtle dove down to the temple in Old Testament times to offer it to God as a sacrifice, you know what they did with it? They chopped it into pieces and they burned it on an altar and they threw the ashes in a wheelbarrow and took them out to the dunghill. 
Guess what the man went home with? One less animal. You know what that is? That's a sacrifice. You know what this man did? This Samaritan, whatever he did, the afternoon he was going to spend on himself is spent. The oil that he was going to use, it's used up. The wine, for whatever purpose he was going to, to use it, it's used up. No doubt the bandages that he used to wrap this man's wounds became filthy rags and had to be discarded. Come on, you, you understand? This man is now walking so a broken man can ride on his animal. This man is now traveling to an inn to make arrangements for someone to spend several nights. That's not the inn to which he was going. His entire life has been interrupted. His money is spent not on himself. His energy is spent on someone else. His his plans have been diverted. Going to church is not serving God. Going to church is fellowship. Going to church is, is rejoicing time. Going to church is, is getting my, my burdens born and my needs met. Going to church is instructing me and educating me in the things of God. Going to church is God blessing my heart. We're going to leave from here and walk by a thousand people in the next 24, 48 hours. Is that what we're going to do? Just walk by? Oh, look at that guy. Oh, look at her. Oh, look what he's wearing. Oh, look at that stuff in his ears. Oh, look at, look at the mess they're in. Oh, look at that neighborhood. I'll tell you. Hey, we can all look at it. Is there anything here? Is there any compassion in the heart that would say, don't just walk by and look at it? Go over there and help. Well, I tell you, my neighborhood, it's just going to the dogs. Well, are you going to your neighborhood? I tell you, these kids nowadays, just look at them. No, we can't just look at them. We've got to rescue them. Man, look at the mess our country's in. We can all look at it. And we can take the law as this lawyer could and pronounce its evils. And we could take the, the, the standards of religion and morality as the priest and the Levite could and examine it and, and mark all the wrong places where we see them. But the Samaritan said, i got to go over there and help. I'll use my oil on his wounds. I'll use my wine and my bandages on his wounds. I'll use my animal to give him a ride. I'll go down to the inn and I'll make sure he's taken care of. Jesus said, look, look, this lawyer said, I think I'm good enough. And all Jesus had to do was just tell a little tale about a man who saw another man in need. And if this lawyer's honest, he'll respond like I have to respond and like I hope you'll respond and just shake your head and say, I'm not that good. Because I could say I love my neighbor, but I don't love my neighbor as myself. I don't. If I was in the ditch, I'd want somebody to stop and help me. If I see somebody in the ditch, i got places to be. 
Look, the only hope you've got to heaven is trust in Jesus. You're not going to get there by being good. If all he told you to do is love God and love your neighbor, you can't do that. In fact, not only can I not do it, I don't really even want to do it. I should. You should. Well, we should. Of course we should. But we don't. We were in, uh, where were we? I think it was in Trinidad. And, and this guy, put, uh, the missionary, Brother Hoffmeister, he pulled up to get gasoline, and the guy pulled up to get gasoline beside us and went over, gave him some gospel tracts, and the guy said, you're supposed to love your neighbor. I said, yeah. He said, well, well why don't you fill my gas tank up? <laughs> and I said, because I decided to trust Jesus So I knew I couldn't love my neighbor as myself. I said, you'll have to, you'll have to try that on a guy trying to work his way into heaven. <laughs> you know, you could stand there all day long with you just maxing out your credit card, filling people's gas tanks. Now, listen, you'd want somebody to buy your gas, but you don't want to buy gas for somebody else. And then you look, well, look at the stuff he got in his truck, man. Oh, don't you spend your money on gas instead of beer? You wouldn't have to be asking me for gas money. Yeah, I know, but that's, but that's your neighbor. See, we want to love the neighbors that are lovable. This guy's all beat up and cut up and bruised up and dirtied up in a ditch. You say, what do you say? Look, all Jesus is teaching here, he's not saying spend your fortune on people sitting in a ditch. He's pointing out to us that none of us could keep two commandments. If that's all there was in the Bible, we couldn't keep two of them. This man wanted to justify himself, and Jesus said, I can shoot that down in five minutes. Because you wouldn't do for that man what the Samaritan did for him. And it's very convicting because none of us would. Scripture says, on the morrow, 34, he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring it all the while, sent him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, see, care. He cared. He cared. We all see. We don't all care. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now we can make this gospel. It's beautiful. Jesus came where we were, he saw our fallen condition, he met our needs, he lifted us up, he supplies everything that we need between now and the time he comes back, and when he comes back, he's going to make it all just, yeah, we can we can put all that in there, and it's good preaching, and I've, I've preached it that way, and maybe you have too, but that's that's not what he's talking about here. A lawyer said, I'm just, I'm righteous. And Jesus said, you spend all your money on yourself. You put yourself up in the inn. You don't put anybody else up in the inn. At great personal loss, this Samaritan met the need of another. What have you done for anybody? Now, that's, that's the passage. Now, the gospel message in the passage, while we can make Jesus a picture, uh, the, some good, the, good, the Good Samaritan picture of Jesus and all that, the gospel message in the passage is this. You're not good enough. 
Because you wouldn't do for one person, much less everybody, what Jesus requires you to do in order to earn eternal That's what he asked. What must I do to earn eternal life? How can I earn eternal life? And Jesus said, you can't. Because for you to earn eternal life, you'd have to meet the needs of every broken person on the face of the earth because they're all your neighbor and you can't do that. So you better trust me. Now you know why that's so important? Because those of you that witness, give out gospel tracts and so forth, you know what the standard reply is. Can I give you something about Jesus? I'm good. Can I give you something about Jesus? I'm, I'm, I'm good enough. Are you saved? I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Everybody says that. And so Jesus said, okay, let's find out if you're a pretty good person. Have you passed anyone in need without compassionate assistance? Well, yeah, but... Okay, then you're not good enough. Man, that's tough, isn't it? That's really tough. Because in the minds of our fellow men, there's good people and bad people, and it's this scale kind of thing. I get drunk, but I've never run over anybody. I drink, but I don't get drunk. I drink, but only on special occasions, like days that end in Y, and, and uh, you know, just... just <laughs> And so we've got, this, we've got this sort of a balance. And here's how it always works out. What I do, good. <laughs> what they do, bad. Good person. Last night we were over there in front of the um, Ocean Center, Daytona. And there's a woman, she told me, she said, she said, What do you think, mister? I got on less clothes than Tarzan. And... It was true. And I said, well, I wasn't thinking about that. And she said, she said, well, I'm high. What do you think about that? I said, well, I hadn't thought about that. And she, you know, she's cussing and she's swearing. and She's quoting a Bible verse and back and forth. And then she won't tell me about what an awful person her father was and how, how awful her father had been to her. And I said, you know something? None of that, none of that is the issue here. Your father is going to go to heaven or hell based on what he did with Jesus Christ. And you're going to go to heaven or hell based on what you do with Jesus Christ. And if your dad did half of what you say, I am sorry for you, but that's not an excuse for you rejecting Jesus Christ. The Lord never told you to trust your dad. He told you to trust Jesus. You know, look, in her mind, she deserves to go to heaven because she's not as bad a person as her father was. Come on, that's, that's how Americans think. And what Jesus said is, if you pass anyone in need without compassionate assistance, you're not good enough. That's why everybody needs to be saved. Because no, nobody's good enough. Alright, so here's what he says, 35. On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. 
<laughs> well, so that's the challenge. Have mercy. You know what this man was? He was a lawyer, a student of the Jewish law, a teacher of the Jewish law. The law commands death for this and death for that and stoning for this and excommunication for that and, and, and all kinds of horrible sentences in the law. And when God got ready to take his people to the promised land, he had them build a, an ark, something, something like, this, like this big table here. It had rings in the sides and they put poles in it and they, they carried that thing with them wherever they went. And inside that big wooden box called an ark, inside that thing, they put the law. The commandments of God written on tables of stone. Thou shalt not, and if you do. Thou shalt not, and if you do. And thou shalt, and if you don't. And all the laws, and all the commandments, and all the punishments. And there they were, right there in that box. And then the Lord said, over the top of it, Over the top of it, I want you to put a place where my spirit can sit. And I want you to put a cherub on one side and a cherub on the other, bowing down, not to the law that's in that box, but to my spirit on that seat. And you know what he called it? The mercy seat. The mercy seat. Because mercy trumped law, even in the dispensation of law. It was God's... Look, if you couldn't live the law, you could come to God for mercy. So this lawyer comes and says, Okay, I want you to know that I, uh, I'm ready to earn eternal life. And Jesus said, Great, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just take everything under the first two and just set it aside for now. And we'll just, there, there's a law in there. I just want you, just the top two. That's all. 500 questions on the test. You don't even have to answer the last 498. Just the first two. Just first two. That's it. Well, I know those. And he did. See, I know those. No, he knew what they were. He had no relationship to them. All right, what's the first two? And the man says, come on, love God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, great, now just go do that. Hmm. Who's my neighbor? He didn't say yes. He, as soon as Jesus told him do those two things, he knew he couldn't. And so he wants a qualifier. Uh, who do I have to love? And Jesus picked the man he was least inclined to love and a man he was least inclined to help and said, just, just do what those two fellows did. Now, Here's what happens. If a guy's got an honest heart, he'll do what I did, what many of you did, what Justin's father did yesterday. He'll say, Lord, is there, is there a way around all these commandments here? 
Because I, I really, I can't do that. I can't do it. Lord said, well, look a little higher. Look a little higher. My spirit sits on a mercy seat. And if you'll quit trying to establish your own righteousness and justify yourself by bragging about what a good person you are. And just admit that I'm no better off than that man lying in that ditch. God will help you. He'll help you. It's grace. It's mercy. As long as he's going about trying to justify himself, he'll never be justified. Because you can't do what needs to be done. I don't know what that phrase means. Nobody does. I've read all the commentators I can get my hands on. I've listened to preaching for years and years and years. The only time in the Bible that phrase is used, the man in that ditch was half dead. He's half dead. Now I can tell you what the Bible teaches, and I don't know if, that's, if that is what it meant here, but I can tell you what the Bible teaches. If you're not saved, right now, if you're not saved, you are a living, breathing human being whom the Bible says is dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible says of those who ignore God and live, live in sin, they are dead while they live. In a strange term? And to a man who had been born and was alive, named Nicodemus, Jesus said to a living man, you must be born. Again. I mean, we throw that phrase out, born again, but think about it. He's saying to a living man, you've got to be born. He's alive, but he's dead. He's half dead. Now here's my question. Christian. When you leave here today and go to the restaurant or to the store or back to your neighborhood or tomorrow when you go back to work or back to school, will you notice that those people round about you are half dead? Or will you just notice what they're wearing or how they're tattooed or the vocabulary that they use or the, 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 the things that they're doing that you wouldn't do or the things that they have that you wish you had. Have you noticed they're half dead? Have you noticed they're wounded? Have you noticed that life has bruised and beaten them? Did you notice that? Or did you just look at them as a priest and say, huh, they're not good enough? Did you look at them as a Levite and say, oh, what a mess? The Samaritan, he didn't just look. He had compassion. And he went where he was. Said, how can I help? It might be as simple as a gospel tract. It might be as simple as a brief word of testimony. It might be as simple as an invitation to church. It might be as simple as, as can I leave you some literature to look at when you get some time. But the message for the Christian in this passage is, is as clear as the one for the unsaved. Will you allow needy people to interrupt your plans? Will you allow people who are half dead to divert your journey? 
I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a witness. I don't want to be a missionary. I don't want to be a personal worker. I I don't want to do the good news club. I don't want to go to the nursing home. I'm sure this Samaritan had something he wanted to do. Come on, it's not a short trip. You don't load your beast to take a journey. Come on, he's going somewhere. He's packed. He's prepared. He's got supplies. He's got money. And all of that was put on hold because compassion, compassion moved him to help that man. We talk Thursday night about jobs and careers and families and finances and all that. That's great. That's great. But make sure, make sure you're not just passing by one ditch dweller after another. Without stopping compassion to help, to help, to help. I don't get the whole tattoo washer in the ear thing. But I know what I see when I see it. I'm not happy. I'm lonely. I need attention. Oh, I need attention. Somebody notice me. Somebody pay attention to me. Well, if the drug dealer stops and the Christian doesn't stop, guess who's going to guess who's going to get that guy? That little boy, that little girl, doing all those things you shouldn't do. You can you can priest them. Look at that; they're a mess. You can Levite them. Look at that guy; he's really in a bad way. Or you can do like that Samaritan. Stop and help. It might cost you some money to help people. It might cost you some time to help people. It might cost you an interruption of some of your your immediate plans to help some people. But it's the right thing to do. Right thing to do. Well, Jesus said, Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? This world really is half dead. And schools and Hollywood and messed up families and corrupt societies have robbed them and stripped them and beaten them and wounded them. And we all know that. We can all see that. Every newscast declares it. How about compassion? How about compassion? Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us this 